Our Bible reading is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. can be found on page 724 of the Church Bibles. It starts right at the bottom of the page, 724. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 to 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Thanks very much indeed, Rachel, for reading that. It's a massive help. And uh, welcome again to Trinity. It's great to see you. My name's Jeremy, if we haven't already met. I hope whether you've, uh, uh, you've been coming for a while or whether it's your first time here, you're starting to feel at home, do go and grab more hot drinks anytime you want to. I hear rumors of uh, homemade biscuits, and they'll be available after, uh, after the service too. Well, Mason, Nathan's already said this. It's an important week in the life of the church coming up. Uh, the next seven days is our week of prayer. We're going to concentrate on prayer as a church as we begin uh, 2022 in the way that we mean to carry on. And um, we're going to bookend that week of, uh, week of prayer with two looks at Isaiah 40, looking at um, verses 1 to 11 today and then the rest of the chapter next week. So do keep it open in your Bibles. It's there on page, uh, right at the end of page 724. Um, It'd be great help if you could keep that open. And we're going to pray just before we look at it in any more detail. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we know that we are a very small part of your creation. But we know that you're concerned with us and and that you speak to us as your friends. That we we can call ourselves friends of God if, if we're Christian people. So I just pray, Father God, as we take your word in our hands, so you would take our lives in your hands. And I pray, Father, that you would um, inform our minds, and I pray you capture our imaginations, and I pray that you'd shape our lives and, and, and change us irreversibly to become closer to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen. Uh, well, Nathan's already asked us what we, what we think of when, uh, when we think of the God of the Bible. 
And I don't know about you, um, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think, I think lots of people are quite uncomfortable with the idea of the God of the Bible, the, 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 the sort of God that the Bible portrays. I think a lot of people find that quite hard. I, don't, I think they don't sit easy with the way that God's described. Uh, I think for whatever reason, um, they don't find the God of Scripture, the, the God that the Bible will call the true and the living God, the God that we're going to face one day in judgment, I don't think they find a God like that a very comfortable concept at all. And I guess all of us at, at some stage or other, uh, uh, whether we call ourselves Christians or not, I guess all of us at some stage would have felt uncomfortable with the God of the Bible as he's described. He's not always an, an easy God, if I can put it like that. And that's why when, when we feel that we uh, need some comfort, as all of us do from time to time, uh, we go for comfort food or comfort shopping or um, comfort drink or comfort, according to one article, in phoning up our ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, apparently that's the thing. Um, or we go for a big hug from someone. Yeah, th those are the kind of places that we go for comfort. They're not, they're not um, you know, big hugs, it's not a wrong thing. But we wouldn't necessarily think of going to the God of the Bible. Yeah, because he's quite an awkward God in some sort of ways. Do you know what I mean? So it's quite surprising to, to get to Isaiah 40 and see these words spoken by the God of Christianity. Um, comfort, comfort. Now the Bible repeats something when it's meant to be fair. Emphasis, real comfort. Those words seem quite strange at the start of Isaiah 40. We think, really, is this the same God that we've been, that we've been talking about, been reading about? And I wonder whether Isaiah would have had the same reaction, actually. I think these words would have seemed quite strange to him as he was writing seven centuries before Jesus, uh, more than two and a half thousand years ago. Um, in the book of Isaiah, uh, there's a name by which God is particularly known, and it's the Holy One. That's what God's called often in, in, in Isaiah. When Isaiah meets God, back in Isaiah chapter 6, you might know, um, he, he, he doesn't sort of hold out a hand. God, Isaiah here, I'm one of your prophets. Uh, he falls flat on his face and he says, Woe is me, I am ruined. That's what Isaiah says when he meets God. And um, he hears uh, that his people, the People in, in the southern part of Israel are going to be held to account. And, it's, and it becomes clear that, that Jerusalem is going to be completely smashed to pieces. It's going to, it's going to collapse and, um, uh, and, 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 and turn to ruins. And, and the people living there are going to be deported. That's the message so far in, in chapters 1 to 39. You kind of think, well, what possible comfort can there be after that, Really? And the answer is the comfort that one day everything's going to be restored. And that's what God promises in Isaiah 40. Things are going to be put right again after Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. And that the supposedly uncomfortable God of the Bible is going to do it all for them. Uh, he's going to intervene because they're not able to do it for themselves. He's going to bring them back and, and restore them. He's going to put everything right. That's the comfort. That comes in chapter 40. Have a look down at that. Chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort 
My people, says your God, speak tenderly. Literally, it's speak to the heart of Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That means literally a sort of a, a doubling over. People say it's a bit like a, a, a piece of paper which is sort of folded in double in that the, the, the remedy is going to exactly fit the problem. That's the idea. Judgment's over. Sin is paid for. The punishment is sufficient. And God's done all of that. Comfort. That's, um, that's the news of Isaiah 40. And it comes as a message to comfort who's, to anyone who has experienced the, the pain and the struggle and the anxiety and the frustration and the fear and the tragedy of living in a world which is held accountable by God, which I guess is all of us. I don't know what kind of a Christmas he had. It wouldn't surprise me if there are a few people here whose Christmases was a real struggle. But God promises comfort. But as, as we start our week of prayer, this is the God that we're praying to. Yeah, when we say Father God, this is the God that we're addressing. This is the God who's on the other end. And we find that he's the God who brings comfort in the way that we can't do ourselves. So three voices sort of describe this God in verses 1 to 11 of chapter 40. Three voices. And you could sum up the first voice in this way. Verses 3 to 5. This is what the voice is saying. Comfort because the Lord is coming with glory. That's verses 3 to 5. Have a look down at that. Verses 3 to 5. Page 725. And, and this voice just comes out of nowhere. It comes sort of crackling over the PA system and says these words. Verse 3. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Sort of motorway. Verse 4. Each, every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places are plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken um, how is that a message of comfort like well, saying God is coming he's coming I'm in ancient Babylon around this time there was um, there was a hymn that people used to sing so the records say, when, um, when a king was about to arrive. And uh, this is how it went. I don't know the tune, but here are the lyrics. Make his way good. Renew his road. Make straight his path. Cut him out a track. And when, when a king came in ancient times, he, you mended the roads to show that you, you didn't want anything to get in his way. You had no problem at all with his kingship. You wanted him to come and see you. So you made sure that the roads were in good repair. That was one of the ways that you, um, you welcomed him, you see. Here it's saying, God is coming. And, and for God, a red carpet isn't good enough. Uh, my sister was reminding me at Christmas. We went up to see her just after Christmas. And uh, she was reminding me about her wedding day back in September 
1995. And uh, I remember the day really well. It was a beautiful, beautiful sunny day. And uh, she got married at, uh, at the church just down the road from my parents' house. And then the reception was in a marquee in my parents' garden. Uh, it was amazing, uh, amazing day. Uh, but what my dad did is he took the... Um, he took the red carpet off the stairs and laid it down the garden path. That was, that was quite sweet, wasn't it? He actually he took off his own red stair carpet, because it's the only one that he had, and he laid it down the garden path. What a sweet thing to see. But for God, a, a red carpet isn't sufficient. You, you have to fill in the valleys, and you have to blow up the mountains. It's like a massive carpet made out of the fabric of the earth. That's a, it's a sort of landing strip fit for God. God is coming. And when he comes, his glory will be seen. His, what is majesty? Verse 5, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. The glory, majesty, wonder of the Lord is, is, is coming. And everyone's going to see it. It's going to be a public thing. It's not, it's not going to be something done in a corner. You're not going to miss it. Comfort, because the Lord is coming with glory. But, but how, how is that a message of comfort? That's the question. Uh, because normally, when the boss turns up, you start to get nervous, don't you? Maybe it's just me. How is this a message of comfort? And, and that question sort of hangs in the air for 700 years, you know, um, until... Until one day there's a man preaching in the desert. He just sort of turns up, known as John the Baptist. And he starts quoting these words from Isaiah 40. All four gospel writers tell us that John the Baptist used these words from Isaiah. And, and what he's announcing is that, is that God has landed on earth. And that's, that's the good news of Christmas, isn't it? The Lord lands on earth in the person of Jesus. God with us, the Emmanuel. That, that, was what, that was what John the Baptist was pointing out. If we carried on through Matthew, we got to, through the Matthew 2, if we carried on to Matthew chapter 3, we would have met John the Baptist saying exactly that. God has come to earth, says John the Baptist. Don't miss him. And, and more than that, God's glory is going to be seen publicly in Jesus Christ. That's what it says about Jesus in one of the Gospels. You'll see the verse up on the screen. One of the, one of the writers says, We have seen his glory. He's talking about Jesus. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Glory revealed. And the glory of God was revealed in Jesus. It was a public thing. It wasn't done in a corner. But to understand what an incredible comfort that is, we need to listen to the second voice. And uh, the PA sort of comes crashing into life again in verse 6. So have a look down at that. Uh, here's a summary of what this second voice says. Um, comfort, because the Lord will keep his word. The Lord will keep his word. Verses 6 to 8. Have a look down at verse 6. A voice says, cry out. And I said, this is Isaiah talking now, what shall I cry? And the voice replies, all people are like grass, 
and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You see, on on the one hand, people are like flowers, um, it's saying, because they fade. Um, Dawn's granny was was an amazing, amazing lady who lived down in Beckenham, uh, just down in South London. Um, She was was quite short. She was probably about five foot nothing and very light um, and used to give massive hugs. And it was quite easy to, you ended up lifting her up, sort of, you know, she gave you such a hug, you sort of, you know, she'd leave the ground. She's quite an extraordinary lady. But one thing that she really didn't like at all was being given flowers. She asked, asked us not to give her flowers because she said it was so sad to be given flowers as a reminder of how much she would loved, uh, how much she was loved, only to see them dry up and go bad. And she found that sad. And it's, it is sad, isn't it? It is sad. But all of us get a sense of, of how brief life is. You know, how quickly, do you ever feel that? Just life is galloping away with you. All of us reach a point where we just think, goodness, this is going very fast. You know, um, Justin, our son, he's just gone up to university today. But um, he was four when he came to Trinity, four years old. And, and now he's at university. Time goes incredibly fast. Do you find that? And, and, and you look over... London Bridge at half past eight in the morning and you see this sea of faces, hundreds and thousands of people coming towards you and they're like a field of flowers. Yeah, and, they're, and, 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 they're, and, and, and they're blooming and then they're going to fade away and die. All of them. Every one of us is going to fall and die and be forgotten. Human life is like that. And, and, and it's an unsettling observation, isn't it? Um, as we think about ourselves especially when you see that the the shortness of our life is is God's responsibility his breath blows on us and 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 we're just gone now what comfort can there be in that when when we look at each other and we realize that we're going to know each other so briefly here on earth have a look at verse 8 the grass withers and the flowers fall just like Dawn's granny realized. But the word of our God endures forever. You see, we we don't last, but God's word, Isaiah says, is never going to stop. And that's a reason why this part of Isaiah is quoted in another part of the New Testament as well. You'll see it up on the screen. A letter called 1 Peter. Have a look at this quote. See how Peter refers to this part of Isaiah. This is what he says. He's writing to a, to a number of churches scattered all across Turkey, probably little churches. They hadn't been going for that long. And he said, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And that sparks off in his mind um, a passage from Isaiah 40. And he says, um, for all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the Lord endures forever. And then he adds, and this is the word that was preached to you. See what, see what Peter's saying? He's saying in the midst of this 
crazy life where we meet people every day that we're going to know so briefly in the midst of the breathtaking transience of, of all of this the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves people is permanent and it's stable and it's reliable and it's enduring and it lasts. Well, what does that mean? Where's the comfort in that? Well, it all starts to come together with the third voice. So let me take you there for our third point. And that comes in um, verses 9 to 11. And, and we're giving the section the title, Comfort, because the Lord is coming as shepherd. See how, see how all this comfort comes together in these verses. You see, it's saying, um, on the one hand, that widows shout out the, the, the good news. Can you see that? Um, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. <laughs> We're going to be thinking over the next few weeks, few Tuesday nights at, at Trinity, how we can be shouting out the good news about Jesus without being afraid. We're going to think about that. But then you see the comfort in verses 10 and 11. Have a look down at that. See. The sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. It's amazing, amazingly beautiful picture. Have a look, first of all, at, at verse 10. Verse 10. You see, I, I think I, I initially read this the wrong way, and I think, um, I assume when I read this, that it, that it said, my reward is, is with him, and my recompense accompanies him. In other words, that God is bringing us a reward. And indeed, there will be an extraordinary um, reward, it says elsewhere in the Bible. In fact, it says sort of the opposite. It says that we are a, a reward for God. Is that not extraordinary? Sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules the mighty. His reward is with him. What is his reward? It's his flock. We are God's reward. Because we're so precious to him. Stupid sheep that we are. God's prized possession is his people. We are, we are the reward that he works for and that he enjoys. Then look secondly um, at verse 11. See what God's arm is doing? You see that? You can tell a lot from someone's arm, can't you? Uh, imagine that Dawn's being attacked and I, and I roll up my sleeve. You know, might not be terribly, uh, terribly reassuring, actually, um, for doing with an arm like that. But you can see what, see what God's arm is doing. In, in verse 10, actually, his, his, um, his arm is ruling. It's the arm of a king, fully in control. Verse 11, his arm is gathering lambs and carrying them close to his heart and gently leading those 
that have young. It's the arm of a shepherd holding a lamb with tenderness and immense care. This is the God that we're praying to this week and, and beyond. He is tender enough to care and strong enough to act. This is our God. So no wonder that um, 700 years later, when, when God lands on earth, when, when Jesus comes to bring a gospel message that will never pass away, he says things like this. We would expect him to say things like this, wouldn't we? I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's why believing in him is such comfort. Such comfort. If you're not convinced of that, I would love you to sign up for a, a course starting next Sunday morning. Just one hour long for three weeks. Three hours of your life called Hope Explores. Um, if you haven't yet seen the, the comfort of trusting yourself to this God. Jesus says he is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. And so... Trusting in the shepherd Jesus is such comfort because the judgment is over and the sin is paid for and the punishment is sufficient. And that's the comfort that we need. Which is why um, when you read on in Isaiah, uh, we won't have the chance to, to, to do so um, over the next few weeks, but if, if you'd like to go to Isaiah 53, and what do you see? You see a picture of a suffering servant who gives up his life for God's people, for the sheep, a suffering servant who lays down his life. He's wounded so that God's people are healed. He puts himself in the way of, of God's anger. It's exactly what we'd expect to see. And, and in the end, this is real comfort. Much more so than comfort food or comfort shopping or, or a phone call with your ex. You know, this, this is real comfort. And in a sense, it's sort of uncomfortable to admit it. Uh, but the comfort that Jesus provides is the only real comfort that ever existed in a world that's transient. It's the only comfort which is genuinely real. He's only a prayer away, you know, this Jesus. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. He's provided an end to judgment, a payment for sin, and a sufficient punishment. In a shepherd who laid down his life for you. It's an exact match. Jesus' life paying for our life. He gave up his life so that we will never need to. God has given us a, a suffering servant. He's given us a good shepherd in the person of Jesus. Comfort is available. Here is our God. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, it's uncomfortable to admit, but, um, but we realize that the only real comfort that's ever existed was the comfort of being reconciled with you uh, by a shepherd who lays down his life and who pays the exact price for our sins. And so I pray, Father, that, um, that we would come to him, 
pray that we would know him. I pray that we would um, shout out the good news about him. I pray, most of all, Father, we would find all the comfort that's available in his tender care. And we ask in his name. Amen.